Greetings, podcast friends. This is Dr. Harlan Betts, and I'm delighted to welcome you to Wisdom from Above. This podcast is designed to help us move beyond the reasonings of man to the revelation of God. Today, we're going to discover seven things God wants us to teach our children. This list is found in Psalm 78. This psalm is a challenge to both dads and moms. But in this podcast, I want to speak more specifically to the moms. And in the next podcast, when we investigate the 10 traits of godliness found in Psalm 112, I will speak more specifically to the men. One of my mom's favorite authors was Irma Bombeck. I want to share a quote from her book, Motherhood, the Second Oldest Profession. Irma notes that some mothers have so much guilt, they cannot eat a breath mint without sharing it. Other mothers feel nothing when they tell a kid his entire pillowcase of Halloween candy got ants in it, and they eat the candy themselves. Some mothers cry when their 30-year-old daughters leave home and move to their apartments. Other mothers sell their 12-year-old son bed when he goes on a long scout meeting. <laughs> a mother's love is amazing. Most mothers want what is best for their children. They tell their children that they love them, and they show their children that they love them. A mother's instruction is powerful. Many of us owe a great debt of gratitude to our mothers for their instruction and guidance. Our mom's encouragement, insight, support, prayers, and example have helped make us what we are today. A mother's ministry is often undervalued. Isn't it strange how we elevate careers and lower homemaking to the commonplace? If a woman teaches someone else's children, she is a teacher. But if she teaches her own children, she's just a mother. If she does interior decorating, she's a career woman. But if she decorates her own home, she's just a homemaker. If she takes care of others, she's a nurse. But if she nurses her own children... She's just mom doing her job. You see, motherhood demands the skills of many and receives the recognition of few. A mother's influence is eternal. Her influence goes far beyond physical care and practical guidance. A mother instills values, communicates convictions, shapes the moral fiber of her children. It is vital that mothers instruct their children in such a way that spiritual hunger is developed. And spiritual growth is likely. Do you know what God wants you to teach your children? Well, the superscription to Psalm 78 says it's a masculine of Asaph. A masculine is a contemplative poem designed to serve as a reminder to God's people. And Asaph was a musician and songwriter appointed by David to direct choral worship. The introduction in the first eight verses is made up of four sets of parallel lines. First, there's a recommendation, listen to my law, or incline your ear to my words. Then there's a revelation. I'm going to speak a parable, which is a divine illustration of divine truth. I'm going to teach in dark sayings or riddles, which are deep truths that escape superficial observation. And then there's the remembrance in verse 3, stories we have heard, Stories our ancestors told us, so it's truths being passed on from generation to generation. 
And then in verses 4 through 8, we see the responsibility. We will not conceal these truths from our children. Or we will tell generations to come about the amazing deeds of God. One of the tragic mistakes many parents are making today is saying, I'm not going to push religion on my children. I'm going to let them make up their own minds when they're older. And in the meantime, in those incredibly impressionable years, the world pushes its views upon our children. Our children are exposed to immoral television shows, rebellious personal companions, godless educational institutions, and worldly entertainment. You see, your children will be taught evil. The question is, will they be taught that which is good? Your children will be exposed to godlessness. The question is, will they be exposed to godliness? Your children will be exposed to immorality and alcoholism and drugs and addiction. The question is, will they be exposed to morality and sobriety and self-control? Your children will be deceived and misled. The question is, will they be exposed to the truths of God's word and the realities of this life and the next? Do you say, I'm not going to force my kid to go to school? I'll let him decide whether he wants to be able to read and write and add and subtract when he's older. Absolutely not. You want him to learn so he can mature socially. So why in the world... Would you not want him to learn spiritual truths so he can mature spiritually? Do you say, I'm not going to force my child to eat good food. I'll let them eat junk food, dog food, and candy if that's what their little heart desires. Absolutely not. You don't want them to be obese or malnourished or failing to grow and mature properly. If you're going to ensure good, healthy food physically, then why would you let them be hungry and malnourished, and starving spiritually. This psalm, Psalm 78, is speaking of the obligation of parents and godly believers to communicate our convictions, to teach the Word of God, and to inculcate spiritual values to our children, so that our children will grow, and know, and be changed, and so they can teach their children. These truths are being passed on from one generation to the next. So what are these seven things we're to teach our children? Well, number one, teach your children the praises of the Lord, verse 4. If you aren't thankful, your children probably won't be either. If you aren't praising God, your children probably won't be either. Take time to praise God for His love, His mercy, and His grace. Teach your children to praise God in song. Learn a few classic hymns. Teach your children to praise God in prayer. Simple prayers, short prayers, specific prayers. Teach your children the praises of the Lord. Number two, also in verse four. Teach your children the strength of the Lord. The Lord is all-powerful. He is Lord of all. He's the only true God. He created the heavens and the earth and the seas and all that is in them. 
in six 24-hour days. That speaks volumes about the strength of the Lord. We have a spiritual enemy who wants to steal, to kill, and destroy. But greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. First John 4, 4, it talks about the strength of the Lord. He's stronger than our adversary, the devil. Our Lord Jesus Christ is our refuge and strength. He is a mighty fortress, we are told. That talks about the strength of the Lord. In Psalm 27, the psalmist says, The Lord is the strength of my life. In Ephesians 6.10, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Of his might. We need to teach our children the strength of the Lord. As Martin Luther wrote in his hymn, Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. You ask who that might be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Teach your children the strength of the Lord. Number three, teach your children the wondrous works of the Lord. This is also in verse four. Teach your children the wondrous works of the Lord. He's the creator of the universe. Show them the grandeur of the mountains. Teach them the glory of creation and the foolishness of evolution. He is the Lord of all. Talking about the parting of the Red Sea. Talk about the provision of the manna. Talking about him controlling the wind and calming the sea. Talk about Jesus walking on the water, raising the dead. Talk about his coming return to reign. He's the Lord of all. He's the Savior of the world. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son to pay the penalty for our sin to die on the cross, to rise from the dead, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So teach your children the wondrous works of the Lord, his works in creating and being Lord and being Savior and giving good gifts. John 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Our kids remember God providing a ping pong table, a trampoline, a car, and another car. Our kids remember God providing good friends, loving family, good health, spiritual life. One of the wonderful works I shared with my kids was an experience I had when I was 16 years old and visiting New York City. I'd been selected to go on a trip to Washington, D.C. Most of the other honorees were 17 or 18 years old. We went to the World's Fair in New York City. I was interested in going to an event that others weren't, so I went on my own. Is anyone surprised? <laughs> Somehow, I missed connecting with them at the appointed meeting place. In my mind, they didn't show up. I think they kind of forgot that I wasn't with them. Is anyone surprised? I found my way to the train station and was headed back downtown to the hotel we were staying in. The problem was, I didn't know the address of the hotel. I didn't know the name of the street the hotel was on. I didn't know... What bus stop to get off the train? Is anyone surprised? (laughs) A kind gentleman that to this day I believe was like an angel in disguise asked me where I was going. He could probably read the panic on my face. I told him the name of the hotel, but that I didn't know where it was located or when to get off the bus. And guess what? He didn't just tell me where to go. 
He got off with me and walked me to the hotel. According to the Bible, Jesus didn't just tell us the way or show us the way. He is the way. He'll take us there. So we need to teach our children about the wondrous works of the Lord. Number four, teach your children to put their confidence in God. We need to set our hope in God. All other hopes are broken cisterns that can hold no water. Trust in God. All other philosophies are delusions. They may sound good, and the majority may buy into them, but they lead to destruction. Trust in God. Friends may flee. Enemies may prosper. Circumstances may change. Money may disappear. But God never changes. God alone can make our, meet our deepest needs. He is worthy of our trust. Some kids think money is a cure-all. They need to understand that money can buy books, but not brains. Money can buy medicine, but not health. Money can buy entertainment, but not happiness. Don't bank on money. Bank on God. He's worthy of your trust. Number five, teach your children not to forget the works of the God, the works of God. That's in verse seven. One of the wisest men who ever lived wrote these words. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. That's Ecclesiastes 12.1, written by Solomon. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember what God has done. He created the world. He made man and woman. He delivered Israel from bondage in Egypt. He opened a dry path in the middle of the Red Sea. He gave David victory over Goliath. He consumed Elijah's sacrifice with fire. He caused the walls of Jericho to tumble. He delivered Daniel from the lion's den. He gave his only son Jesus to die in our place to pay the penalty for our sins. He gives us eternal life. He's committed never to leave us or forsake us. Teach your children not to forget the works of God. I'll never forget the scene in the movie Shenandoah where Jimmy Stewart, a widower with several children, sits down at the table and says, All right, we're going to pray because your mother said we ought to pray. But I don't know why we're praying. I'm the one who put the food on the table. Well, uh, I grew up on a farm in Lodora, Iowa. I knew that we planted and picked and husked and cooked that sweet corn. I knew that we planted and dug and cleaned and peeled those potatoes. I knew that we planted and picked those tomatoes. I knew that we fed those cows and we milked those cows. But while I was still a young boy, I learned that God created this world. God gave us life and breath. God put us on the earth. God provided the earth for the seed to implant in. God provided the sun and rain for the seed to grow and produce. God gave us the ability to plant crops and harvest crops and the privilege of eating those crops. I also learned that God created the animals and designed them to reproduce. God gave us the health and strength to milk those cows. God designed those cows to give milk. Now, frankly, I don't understand how a brown cow can eat green grass and give white milk. <laughs> I don't understand it, 
but but I believe it. And God deserves all the glory. Everything we have, every, every good thing we have comes from the Lord. We should praise him and we should thank him. Without his grace, we could do nothing. So don't forget the works of God. Number six, teach your children to keep his commandments. That's found in verse seven. Teach your children, teach your children to keep his commandments. You know the commandments. Number one, have no other gods before him. We're to love God more than anything else. Command number two, don't make any idols. We should worship God alone. Command number three, don't take the Lord's name in vain. We should honor the name of the Lord. Command number four, set aside time every week to worship God together. Command number five, honor your parents. This is expressed in obeying them when you're young, caring for them when they're old. Command number six, don't murder. Command number seven, don't commit adultery. Command number eight, don't steal. Command number nine, don't lie. Command number ten, don't covet. Teach your children to keep his commandments. Our world would be immeasurably better if people just kept his commandments. Number seven, teach your children the danger of rebellion and stubbornness. This is found in verses eight and nine. This is the seventh thing we're to teach our children, the danger of rebellion and stubbornness. The Bible contains many real-life examples of men and women who rebelled and suffered the consequences of their own stubbornness. Cain was proud and jealous and killed his own brother. He never recovered from that rebellion. Achan tried to steal some stuff and hide it when he was told not to take it, and it cost him his life and the life of his family. Samson was caught up in an improper lust for a woman, and as a result he was captured, his eyes were gouged out, and he was enslaved for the rest of his life. Ananias lied, and he lost his life. The Bible warns us against disobedience, defiance, and deceit. The Bible warns us against idolatry, indecency, and immorality. The Bible warns us against being controlled by drugs or drink or demons. And we need to teach our children the dangers of stubborn rebellion and the value of rugged obedience. Is this happening in your family? Wouldn't it be great if each generation would be better than the last? Unfortunately, the tendency is to become worse instead of becoming better. Young people, you are not locked into a sinful way of life just because of your parents or your environment. You can break out of that mold. You can establish a new pattern of living. How? By the power of Christ who lives in you as a young believer. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a new creature. Jesus lives in you. And by His grace and His power, he can live through you a new kind of life. So moms and dads, teach your children by what you say and by what you do. Moms and dads, teach your children to trust God and obey his word. Moms and dads, give your children your time, not just your gifts. Moms and dads, don't shelter your kids from hardship and hard work. 
Children, obey. Children, obey your father and your mother. Children, honor your father and your mother. Mothers, we rise up and call you blessed. We honor you and all those who hope to be or soon will be mothers. Our hearts ache for those who have never been able to have a child. Our hearts ache for all those who have lost a child. But we will honor all of you who have the heart of a mother. This, this is for working mothers and stay-at-home mothers. This is for single mothers and married mothers. This is for mothers with kids at home and mothers with empty nests. This is for young mothers stumbling through diaper changes and sleep deprivation and mothers learning to let go. This is for all the mothers who taught their kids to tie their shoelaces before they started school and for all the mothers who opted for Velcro instead. (laughs) This is for all the mothers who run carpools and cook meals and clean houses and make cookies and sew patches on uniforms and all the mothers who don't. This is for all the mothers who've read the same book every night for what seems like forever and then read it again because their child says, one more time. This is for all the mothers who've sat up all night with sick toddlers in their arms, wiping up barf laced with half-digested hot dogs and raspberry lemonade, saying, it's okay, honey, mommy's here. This is for all the mothers who froze their buns off on metal bleachers at football games on Friday nights instead of watching from the cars, so that when their kids asked, did you see my tackle, they could say, of course, I wouldn't have missed it for the world, and mean it. This is for all the mothers who mess up, who yell at their kids at the grocery store, or get discouraged, or struggle to keep their own emotions under control. This is for the mothers who feel like they're at the end of their patience in trying to deal with preschool kids. This is for all the mothers who show up at work with spit up in their hair and milk stains on their blouses and diapers in their purse. This is for all the mothers who teach their sons to cook and their daughters to make a jump shot. This is for all the mothers whose heads turn automatically when a little voice calls mom in a crowd, even though they know their children are not anywhere around. This is for all the mothers whose sons or daughters serve in the military or the police force or some other dangerous field of work. This is for the mothers who put pinwheels and teddy bears and flowers on their children's graves. This is for the mothers whose kids are experiencing a terminal illness or suffering from some deficiency or impairment, and for all the mothers whose kids are healthy. This is for the mothers whose children have gone astray, the mothers who spend sleepless days and nights in prayer because their children are not walking with God or headed down a path of destruction. If you're a mother, I applaud you, I honor you, and I pray for you. And I remind you that you cannot be an effective mom without the grace and help of God. And so we pray, Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would wrap your arms of love around the mothers whose children have died or have terminal illness or have lifelong physical, mental, or emotional problems. Father, we ask that you would grant wisdom and hope to those moms whose children are struggling or rejected or left out or bullied. We ask that you would do a redeeming work in the hearts of those children who are ungrateful, 
or rebellious or estranged. We pray that you would give rest to those moms who are tired, strength to those moms who are weary, hope to those moms who are discouraged. Hold them in your arms. Shower them with your love. Give them your peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Next week, we will look at Psalm 112 and true masculinity. If you're new to this podcast, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. It's free, and it will remind you of each new weekly podcast. If you've not yet done so, please give Wisdom from Above a five-star rating. Share Wisdom from Above with your family and your friends. Share Wisdom from Above with your classmates and your coworkers. I love teaching the Word of God, and I love hearing of its impact on others. This is Dr. Harlan Betts, wishing you a great week and God's blessings. I'm honored that you are joining me in this passionate quest for wisdom from above.